0: So, you want to be a journalist. As a leading professional in the field, I'd like to share some of the techniques that would have made me who I am today if I had not turned out to be someone else. As a journalist, it's your job to get what we professionals call the story. The story is any series of events that might cause people to vote for Democrats. In order to get the story, you have to gather the facts. The facts are any opinions held by Democrats that might cause people to vote for Democrats. You can always tell a fact because after you state it, you will say, that's a fact. You may also add, and I'm being completely objective, which makes it even more of a fact. To be a good journalist, you also have to understand what we professionals call the issue. The issue is a lens through which you see the story so that it might cause people to vote for Democrats. So Democrats can increase the size of government and lessen the freedom of ordinary people who are yucky and sometimes don't even live in New York. So for instance, If a white man shoots someone, the issue is the guns that cause violence. If a black man shoots someone, the issue is the racism that causes blacks to use guns that cause violence. If a police officer shoots a black person, the issue is police racism, whereas if he shoots a white person, the issue is violence among white people. If a Muslim shoots a white person, a black person and a police officer, the issue is climate change, which caused a drought in the Sudan, driving Muslims to use guns, which cause violence. Now, be prepared. Some people may say you're a second-rate, low-down partisan hack telling lies to help your fellow Democrats, but saying that is a clear violation of the First Amendment. Also, it's the truth, and as a journalist, you want nothing to do with that. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Clavin, and this is The Andrew Clavin Show. I hunky-dunky, life is tickety-boo. Birds are winging, also singing, dunky Dipsy, topsy. the world is a it's a wonderful day, hooray, hooray, it makes me want to sing, oh, hooray, hooray, oh, hooray, hooray. One of my favorite parts of these Democrats' pseudo-scandals, like this Trump-Ukraine story, is when pseudo-conservatives and never-Trumpers get on board the impeachment train and try to enlist the rest of us in the attempt to nullify our votes. After our Democrat friends have mobilized their journalists, which is pretty much all the journalists, to generate hysteria in the hopes of a useless but destructive impeachment attempt, these rhinos and never-Trumpers start telling us, boy, oh boy, we Republicans, we better abandon Trump right now or we'll be brought down with him and we'll never be able to rebuild the party Orange Man Bad destroyed. Now... In order for me to give you my full reply to these calls for us to desert the defense of Donald Trump and his presidency, to make way for a bunch of socialist baby killers and gun grabbers, I would have to break into hysterical laughter until tears ran down my cheeks and I fell off my chair so that only my feet were visible above the desk. And that would be time-consuming and embarrassing. So I'll skip that part and get right to this. My reply to right-wingers who want to get at Trump by joining in with this despicable Democrat media charade is, dude... Time to stop, sack up, and stand up for the president of the United States. You don't have to like him. You don't have to always agree with him. But this Ukraine story is on the face of it, a content-free attempt to discredit the people who are working to expose the deep, democracy-endangering actions of Barack Obama and his intelligence agencies, their Russia-inspired spying campaign against an uh, an opposition candidate. This is bad. It's wicked. And the fact that the press is colluding in this makes it dangerous and disgusting. It's not my conspiracy theory. This is right there in open in front of us for anyone who takes an honest look. So be a man, or if you're a lady, don't be a man because that would be ridiculous, but be a steadfast lady and put aside your disagreements with Trump and your girlish horror at his antics and stand up for your country because really I have not seen anything as absurd and dishonest as this since the last news cycle. All right, let's talk about ExpressVPN because we love ExpressVPN because it protects your computer. And that is the thing. You work on your computer. You don't think about it. I'm doing this virtually 24-7 a day. And people can come on and they can steal your stuff. They can track you. They know where you are. They can put ads in there that you don't want. You want ExpressVPN to protect you. Big tech companies use your IP address to match your internet activity to your identity or location. But when you use ExpressVPN, search engines and media sites can't see your IP address at all. Your identity is masked and anonymized. ExpressVPN has the added benefit of encrypting 100% of your data to keep you safe from people who you don't want to have your data. ExpressVPN software takes just a minute to set up on your computer or phone. You tap one button and you're protected. It works in the background. You don't even know what's going on. Protect protect your online activity today with the VPN I trust to keep my data safe. Visit expressvpn.com slash to claim an exclusive offer for my fans. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash for three months free with a one-year package. Visit expressvpn.com slash to get started. Even the people who follow you will not know how to spell Clavin? Only you will know that it's K-L-A-V-A-N. Right, we've got the mailbag coming up. <laughs> you know, there, there it is. You know, you know we got the mail. You know, before I talk about anything else, this happened as I was driving in here. Uh, Bernie Sanders uh, apparently has uh, has been hospitalized uh, during a campaign event yesterday, says his people, Senator Sanders, experienced some chest discomfort. Uh, he's canceled uh, all his campaign events uh, following medical evaluation and testing, he was found to have a blockage in one artery and two stents were successfully inserted. Uh, Senator Sanders is conversing and in good spirits. Obviously, this is going to have political ramifications. This is serious stuff. This has happened uh, to a couple of friends of mine about Sanders' age. Uh, the stents work. Uh, they should help him out, which is great. Um, you know, and I hope he is uh, gets well soon. And uh, my prayers for him and for his family, you know, I'm not going to talk about the political ramifications about it yet. We don't know where uh, that story is going to go. But just uh, to say, you know, we want to we want to argue with him. We want to beat him, but we don't want him to be hurt. And uh, that's uh, I hope he gets better soon. That, that is serious stuff um, here. You know, I, I, I make things. That's what I do for. I always tell my wife, I'm Geppetto. All I want to do is go in and make things and have them come to life. Uh, you know, I'm a novelist. I'm an artist. And I, because I, I make things, because that's what I do, I admire people who do things. Uh, and, and that's a different thing. You know, in, in the old days, that's what writers, novelists, poets, that's what they wrote about. Homer wrote, didn't write about Homer. He didn't write about poets. He wrote about Achilles. He wrote about Odysseus, you know, and Shakespeare wrote about kings, people who do things because people who make things kind of admire people who do things and the people who do things provide the stories that people who make things tell. Uh, and so I, I this I'm not going to go on and on about this, but this kind of changed so that poets and writers start to write about themselves as if they were the important people. And I'm not sure that that's such a healthy thing. But the people I admire are homemakers, cops, soldiers, uh, and reporters. And one of the things about reporters is there are very few of them left. Most reporters now are these woke children who know no history. They know no morality. They know nothing. They don't know the facts. They don't know what they're talking about. And they don't know how to get the facts. They only know how to get the, the Democrats and the intelligence sources to tell them what to do. And then they do it because they are just manipulable kids who don't know. They know everything, but they don't know anything. Right. And that's why when you hear me, when I introduce Heather McDonald uh, from City Journal and I talk about what a great reporter is, I'm not, I'm not just a shiny on. I'm not fl- Flattering her. I mean, I love her personally, but that has nothing to do with it. I mean, I think when somebody is a great reporter, I admire them. And another one I admire is Kimberly Strassel uh, over at the Wall Street Journal, who on her in her Friday column, and she also writes in their I can always tell when she's writing their editorials, their unsigned editorials. Uh, she has just been gathering information about this attempt, the spying operation on Donald Trump, which is awful. It's awful that our FBI and our CIA took this unfounded disinformation from the Russians through the Christopher Steele report, paid for by Hillary Clinton and the Democrats. They took that and they used it to get a FISA warrant to spy. On the Trump campaign. And I'm sure they did it under the illusion that they, it was their job to save the country from the voters. <laughs> That's what they were doing. They were saving the country from the voters. <clears throat> but Strassel has been following this very closely. And she has pointed out uh, that these intelligence leaks that show up, like this Ukraine leak, this thing that Trump talked to the Ukrainian president about, they show up just when more information about Obamagate, this spying campaign, is about to come out. And it's the intelligence agencies defending themselves from the truth. They're doing a cover-up and the press is helping them out. The press has become Nixon. The press once prided itself on bringing down Nixon, but now they've become Nixon. The cover-up is worse than the crime, though you know what? The crime is just as bad in this case. So uh, I was filling in for Ben the last two days, and I had Kim on the show. Uh, she was absolutely great, and she pointed out what something that's been in the back of my head, but I just because I think this Ukraine story is so dis- so stupid and empty and ridiculous. And I cannot believe the press is going into the Russian collusion hoax mode again without ever saying, oh, you know what? We've been humiliated. We've been discredited. Our reporting stinks. We're dishonest. They never looked in the mirror. Not once. They think we don't see them. They think they're invisible to us and they're just going to go into the next thing. And so I'm just so disgusted with it. I don't even like want- talking about it. It's just so ridiculous to me. But this has been in the back of my head, but Kim brought it out uh, on Shapiro's show as I was talking to her, and she said that it's not just to distract you. It is also an attack on the people who are doing The exposing, right, it's it's the IG, Michael Horowitz from the Department of Justice, it's Bill Barr, it's his appointed guy, uh, Durham, who's going to go in and investigate this stuff. And so what they're doing is they're trying to discredit Bill Barr, they're trying to discredit any attempt to find out what happened when Obama had his intelligence people go after an opposition candidate. On the basis of Russian disinformation, that's what happened, and we're going to find out about it. There's nothing they can do to stop that train, but what they're going to try to do is slander everybody they can and make everybody so upset about evil orange man bad that we don't pay attention to the fact that for eight years the press didn't cover a corrupt administration. That is what's happening, and it's again, again, it's right in front of us. When they say, when they say to you, anonymous tel- uh, intelligence sources say, the first thing you should say was, well, what did he want? Why did he tell you that? I mean, look, if Adam Schiff comes on and starts talking, you know he's a McCarthyite who hates Trump and he's going to say anything he can to get at Trump. If Rudy Giuliani comes on and he starts talking, you know he's Trump's defender and he's going to say a lot of dramatic things and he's on TV every 20 minutes. There are now reports that Barr is really fed up with him and I don't blame him. I'm sure that, you know, uh, Giuliani and Trump are old New Yorkers. They, they helped New York come out of its horrible years in the 70s and 80s. I'm sure they have a lot of links, but Giuliani does seem like a loose cannon. Never mind that. When he comes on, you know what he's talking about. You know what he represents. Anonymous intelligence sources are not godlike oracles. They are people with an agenda. And that's why you can see when this whistleblower came out with his report on Trump, there was a well-prepared report, obviously lawyered up. This is a, an, a prepared thing that they're doing. And so... Kim just points out that part of this is not just to distract from the information, but also to target Bill Barr and the Department of Justice and any attempt by Donald Trump to find out why these clowns were spying on his campaign. Right. That's what's going on. And you can see it like The New York Times, the latest development in this non story story about the president talking to the Ukrainians and asking them to investigate the spying campaign. And only in an ancillary part of the conversation, asking him also to look into Joe Biden. Biden's corruption, uh, Joe Biden's son's corruption uh, in having this kind of nepotistic sinecure on an oil company. All right. So the latest thing is The New York Times has a story. Trump pressed Australian leader to help Barr investigate Mueller inquiry's origins. Okay, And remember, it's not the Mueller inquiry he's investigating. That's a lie right there. It's not that. It's the whole Obama spying campaign. So it's not the Mueller thing he's after. It's this. So he says Trump's spy. So they say this like as a big headline. You know, the the discussion was another instance of the president using American diplomacy for potential personal gain. Not that they're editorializing or anything. So the thing is, how, how, what a fantastic piece of reporting by the New York Times. Where did they get the sources who knew that Donald Trump was doing this? Well, we here on the Andrew Clavin show have exposed the whistleblower who gave this story to the New York Times. Here he is. The attorney general is one of the most respected people in this country. And he has been for a long period of time. He's going to look at a lot of documents some he might find interesting maybe he'll find none interesting but for over a year people have asked me to declassify so what i've done is i've declassified everything he can look and i hope he looks at the uk and i hope he looks at australia and i hope he looks at ukraine i hope he looks at everything because there was a hoax
1: that was perpetrated on our country <laughs>
0: Trump outside the White House, like I think it was two weeks ago, talking about this, and suddenly the New York Times is breaking the story. Why? Because it's perfectly legitimate to ask a foreign country to help you examine something. I mean, we even with the Ukraine, we actually have a um, we actually have a treaty for that. But we have treaties with all these people, and they can help us investigate things that happened in their country that affect our country and I will show I will talk about more about this in a minute but the fact that the times was selling this like it was some kind of breaking news is just part of the absurdity and we'll look at more of the absurdity in a minute but first let's talk about stamps.com you love the post office I love the post office I have lived off the post office most of my life But now that I live in LA, the one thing I do not want to do is go to the post office. I want the post office brought to me. And Stamps.com brings all the amazing services of the U.S. Post Office right to your computer where they belong. Whether you're a small office sending invoices, an online seller shipping out products, or even a warehouse sending thousands of packages a day, if you just want to write to your mom, Stamps.com can handle it all with ease. Use your computer to print official U.S. postage 24-7 for any letter, any package, any class of mail, anywhere you want to send. Once your mail is ready, just hand it to your mail carrier, drop it in a mailbox. It's that simple. With Stamps.com, you get $0.05 off every first-class stamp and up to 40% off priority mail. That adds up. It's no wonder over 700,000 small businesses already use Stamps.com. Right now, my listeners get a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage and a digital scale without any long-term commitment. Just go to Stamps.com. Click on the microphone at the top of the home page and type in what? Yes, you guessed it, ClavinStamps.com and enter. Clavin, you can send the first letter you send can just be asking people how do you how do you spell Clavin? It's K L A V A N. No e's, no e's in Clavin. So here's uh, let, let's take a look. First of all, when it comes to asking the Ukraine to investigate people, uh, Senators Bob Menendez and Dick Durbin, both Democrats, and Patrick Leahy, also a Democrat, wrote to the U- Ukraine's prosecutor uh, General Yuri Lutsenko, in 2018, May of 2018, and asked him to look into Trump. They asked him to investigate Trump. And by the way, when I I knew that, so I went to Google and I looked it up and I said, you know, Democrats asked uh, Ukraine to investigate Trump and Google... Guess what they sent back? They sent back Snopes, this left-wing hate site that goes around exposing, you know, t- telling you that things that are true aren't true. They go around with the Babylon Bee, the satire site, and fact-check their satire. I mean, that's Snopes. That's the first thing that came up on Google, went over to DuckDuckGo and found that the story just straight up. Uh, so it's not just, you know, the news, at least we can look at them and they, we can see the news, look in their faces and see that they're uh, lying Democrats. But Google is creating this atmosphere fear of dishonesty. So it really is bad stuff. Here's Lindsey Graham making the point that this is perfectly legitimate and he wants the Ukrainians and the Australians and the UK to investigate Obamagate. This New York Times article about Barr talking to uh, uh, Australia Australia.
1: is the beginning of an effort to silence. Yeah, it's the beginning of an effort to shut down Barr's investigation to find out how this whole thing started. And let me tell you why. I want to say on national television, Barr should be talking to Australia, he should be talking to Italy, he should be talking to the UK to find out if their intelligence services work with our intelligence services improperly to open up a counterintelligence investigation of Trump's campaign. If he's not doing that, he's not doing his job. So I'm going to write a letter to all three countries and asking them to cooperate with Barr. Now this is a letter sent by my democratic colleagues in May of 2018 to the Ukraine saying that if you don't cooperate with the Mueller investigation, we're gonna stop our aid. So here's what I want American people to know. It's okay to cooperate with Mueller to get Trump, but it's not okay. To cooperate with Barr to find out if Trump was a victim of an out-of-control intelligence operation, we're not going to have a country
0: like that. You know, Lindsey Graham has been great. Uh, Lindsey Graham 2.0 has been great, and you don't see him that often on the on the networks for that reason because he's simple, straightforward. He explains it well. Who does who do the other Who does the other side have on? Who does the left-wing media, which is almost all the media except for Fox? Who do they have on to explain this this thing away? When I talk about how bald faced this is, it always reminds me of Singing in the Rain. I, if you have never seen Singing in the Rain, it's like they, the news media thinks we still believe them, but they don't understand that the curtain has been opened behind them. It's been opened by Rush Limbaugh. It's been opened by guys like us. It's been opened by the kind of what uh, Glenn Reynolds called the army of da- uh, the army of David's fighting the Goliath of the mainstream media news. The curtain is open and we now see that it's the Democrat Party singing while the news media mouths the words, okay? That is what's going on. So how, how do I know? Why do I say it's such so bald-faced? It's so naked. It's so open. Here is Brooke Baldwin. Who does she bring on? She brings on CNN Andrew McCabe, who now I think works for CNN. Here is a guy who is has been accused. He's one of the guys who started the investigation into the Trump campaign. And she sees that as giving him authority to speak. But he has been under federal criminal investigation since the Justice Department's internal watchdog concluded last year that he misled investigators about his role in providing information related to investigation into the Clinton Foundation. The idea was he leaked to the press that He was investigating the Clinton Foundation in order to distract the press from the fact that his wife had gotten a lot of money for her state Senate campaign from Clinton cronies. Okay, that's what he was doing. He was that's what he's accused of. Allegedly, that is what he is accused of doing and then lying about the fact that he leaked that campaign. So he's part of this. If indeed, if indeed it's true that the Obama administration was committing wrongdoing by spying on Trump, he's at the heart of it. So, listen to how Brooke Baldwin handles that interview.
1: You were
2: one of the top officials who made sure the Russia investigation was opened. You were at the top levels. They're investigating you and your colleagues. Do you find Bill Barr's travels
0: problematic? And, and in your decades with the agency, have you ever heard of anything like this?
2: No, no, I sure haven't heard of anything like this. Um, there's a there's a two primary questions that I think you have to ask here. The first is why is he doing this at all? The circumstances behind the opening of the Russia case are not a mystery. Uh, I have testified under oath about them as early as December of two thousand seventeen uh Jim Comey has made comments about them publicly i have we've both wrote written books that touched on the issues, mm-hmm. so it's the circumstances behind the case are are widely known. They were entirely validated by the special counsel investigation. We now know that Russia did try to attack our elections and that the president did engage in numerous acts of potentially obstructive conduct. So it, it raises that question of what are we doing here?
0: He's lying there, but that's not the point. I mean, he's lying there that the Mueller probe did not. In fact, he made it sound as if the Mueller probe said something about Trump colluding with Russia. Mueller specifically said, specifically said he was not investigating, he was not going to investigate how the probe got started. It was a random thing to say. He could have investigated that. He could have said, oh, yeah, we're going to look into that. He didn't. I'm not casting aspersions, but he didn't do it. So it doesn't legitimize anything. If you were a newswoman, if Brooke were a newswoman, what she would be asking him is, look, this is these are the charges against you. Here's the evidence against you. What do you have to say? Defend yourself. That's what she would do if she had Rudy on. That's what she would do if she had someone on the other side. on. And I would support that if she questioned McCabe the same way. Instead, they hire McCabe as a guy to make commentary, a guy who's in the midst, in the thick of this thing. And they use the fact that he's in the thick of it as his, you know, is giving him authority. Let's listen to um, what's his name, Raskin, uh, Jamie Raskin, Democrat congressman from Maryland. this is what's so interesting he's selling the the narrative he's selling the narrative that it's incredibly evil for trump to even think even think of looking into why he was spied on by the intelligence agencies of the United States of America, why that happened to him. And, you know, the other thing they do, I I love when they do this to Trump. They, They did this to Brett Kavanaugh, too. They attack him unfairly. They savage him for three years. And then when he starts fighting back and he says he starts getting furious and he says, this is treason, this is terrible. They say, oh, he's getting very dark. Oh, my goodness. Oh, look how angry. Oh, my goodness. He's dark. You know, it's like they're supposed to poke this bull forever and he's never supposed to stick his horn in their butt. You know, it's just insane. So anyway, listen to the way he sells this, but he not only sells it, he's telling the news media how to sell it to the public.
2: I know the media always wants to know, but uh, we're going to keep you on the edge of your seat because there are still remarkable things that we know are going to be coming out soon about the criminality and the corruption of this White House. The fact that Attorney General Barr is overseas looking for uh, evidence or looking to create evidence in order to uh, debunk uh, the Mueller report produced by a distinguished republican prosecutor appointed by a republican is just an amazing turn of events but you got to ask yourself what is it they're looking for because uh, the oh. Mueller report said, while there was a lot of evidence of contacts between the Trump campaign and the Russians, in and fact, there wasn't enough evidence um, to indict for uh, conspiracy. So wh- what they're obviously going after is the finding that Mueller made, that there was systematic and sweeping evidence of a campaign by Russia to destabilize our election. They're still doing the bidding of Vladimir Putin.
0: <laughs> just really, I love the way he tells it. we're going to leak it out a little bit at a time, and there's going to be drama, we're going to keep you on the edge of your seat. It's like, they, seriously, they think they're invisible, they think we don't see them, we see them. You know, talking about seeing people, when somebody comes to your door, you want to be able to see them, you want to be able to talk to them, before you let him in, you want to know who he is. And that is why you want a ring doorbell, which will send... You can, you can get that message that he's ringing the door on your phone no matter where you are. And then you can talk to the person, find out who he is, what he's doing there, and whether you want to converse with him or all or whether you want him off your property. Ring's mission is to make neighborhoods safer. And with the season changing and school in session, it's even more important to keep an eye on your home and those you love. Ring helps you stay connected to your home anywhere, in the world. So if there's a package delivery, a surprise visitor, you'll get an alert and be able to see, hear, and speak to them. You can even make sure your children make it to the bus on time and get home safe at the end of the day. It's good stuff. And as a listener, you have a special offer on a Ring Starter Kit available right now with a Ring Video Doorbell 2 and motion-activated floodlight cam. Those are good at night someone steps on your property, the floodlights go off. And if he's not supposed to be there, he's not going to want to be seen. The starter kit has everything you need to start building a ring of security around your home. Just go to ring.com slash Clavin. That's ring.com slash Clavin. Additional terms may apply. Now, I know, I know you've listened and you think, you know, I've heard this ads again and again, but I keep forgetting. How do you spell Claven? Uh, it's tough. You know, it's K-L-A-V. <laughs> VAN. One of us never gets tired of that joke. I'm not sure it's you or me, but I think it may be me. Let's just, I want to expand this just a little bit before we get to the mailbag. Here's a tale of two headlines, a tale of two news stories. A Dallas officer, uh, Dallas police officer Amber Geiger, uh, is now facing up to 99 years in prison. She's been found guilty. Uh, of, of murder. She walked into her downstairs neighbor's apartment. She's white and her downstairs neighbors are black. And she shot the guy, she says, believing it was a thief in her apartment. She thought she had the wrong apartment. Uh, The jury didn't buy it. Uh, She was convicted. Very strange, terrible, sad story. The guy was just sitting there, a totally innocent guy sitting there eating ice cream. She came in and blew him away. You know, I mean, bad, bad stuff, Right. So the Wall Street Journal Dallas officer found guilty in shooting a black officer and talks about the fact that they, that she said they say she faces from 5 to 99 years in. The unusual circumstances surrounding the death of Mr. Jean who is black and the trial of Miss Geiger who is white has roiled Dallas, a city that has been shaken both by racial tension and the targeted killings of police officers in years past. Here's the New York Times as there as Mr. Jean's uh, family, I hope I'm cor- uh, pronouncing it correctly, as They brace themselves, they're waiting for for the jury verdict. Mr. Jean's family braced themselves for the possibility that his death would be treated like many others across the country in which police officers have been cleared of wrongdoing in the killings of unarmed black men. In other words, police are racist and juries are covering up. We're still living in the post-Civil War South when you couldn't get a fair trial or even the 50s when you couldn't get a fair trial in the South. And that's what's happening. They're convicting in that story. They're convicting police officers around the country of racism, which is disgusting. It is despicable. The reason there were shooting shootings in Dallas of police officers is because Barack Obama. Spread the myth, and it is a myth of police racism uh, and per- police violence. Every study, including studies done by left wingers, has shown that the police do not use deadly force against blacks more than they do against whites. So the entire story is a, is mythology, but they're selling it, and they have a right. To argue that, but not the right to just weave it into the story like that, which is just, it's lying, it's just dishonesty. And you see it in this story about this 12-year-old black girl from, from Virginia who is at a Christian school and claimed that her white sixth-grade classmates pinned her down and cut off her dreadlocks and called her terrible names. This is the way the news, you know, it's like there's never been a hoax before. They just get on that train right away. Here's a montage from our friends at Newsbusters of how the press covered that story. A disturbing story tonight involving a school outside Washington, D.C. Police in northern Virginia are investigating after a 12-year-old African-American girl said three white classmates pinned her down and cut her dreadlocks. A black sixth grader says that she was pinned down by white classmates who mocked her and cut her hair
1: a twelve-year-old virginia girl says she is traumatized
0: she was pinned down by white classmates who cut
2: her hair as Her white
1: classmates pinned her down and
2: cut her dreadlocks her classmates called her hair ugly and nappy as they pinned her down and cut several of her dreadlocks
0: today the girl and her family told us about what they're calling a racist attack
1: hey, the girl says she's been bullied by the same boys before but it's very disturbing about these boys because it's heartbreaking and yeah. traumatizing for that little girl the wife of
0: the vice president mike pence she teaches there
1: karen pence teaches art part-time at emmanuel second lady karen pence teaches art part-time there
0: Unbelievable. That's and that, of course, is the thing because we all know that uh, Mike Pence and his wife want to erase rainbows. You know, they, every time there's a rainbow, they get up and they scrub it away because they're afraid it'll turn everybody gay. Uh, you know, you have to assume that America is racist to, to, to report the story that way. I mean. So many of these hoaxes have now come down the pike that you start to think, hey, if America is so racist, how come I got to make this stuff up? But they make it up and they just run with it all the time because of the assumptions. And there's no one sitting next to them to say, hey, you're making an assumption because they all believe the same thing, which is inherently unfair, inherently corrupt. And we see it in the way they're covering this Ukraine story, the way they're covering every race story. It's it, it's embarrassing. I'm embarrassed for the media. I'm a person who really respects people who do things. Among the people who do things are reporters. These are not reporters. These are Democrats with press cards, as they say on Instapundit, and that's all they are. All right, uh, before we take a break, I got to get to the mailbag, but Another Kingdom, the final season, is here. This is the final installment. You're not going to want to miss a minute of it. I've heard the first episode. It is absolutely terrific, I got to say. Even though I wrote it, I mean, just the sound design, the way they put it together is terrific. You can get it on when episodes one and two drop on Monday but subscribers get exclusive access to them Friday. Okay, so Friday for subscribers, Monday for all the rest of you, do not miss it. It really is great. Obviously, you know the amazing and execrable uh, Michael Knowles is doing the reading. Seasons 1 and 2 are available on dailywire.com, uh, on iTunes and YouTube. So if you need a refresher, check them out as well. Actually, I think you have to get Season 1 by getting the Audible, the audiobook at this point. But uh, you can get Season 2. And if you're a subscriber, I think we may still have Season 1 as well. I'm not sure how that works. But anyway, you want to hear... Another kingdom uh, on Friday for subscribers, on Monday for everybody else. Got to take a break from Facebook and YouTube. Come over to dailywire.com and subscribe so you can be in the mailbag next week. Mailbag. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Um, now I'm really pumped. I'm really That really got me going. Uh, from Jeremy, I'm a 23-year-old man and have been in a relationship with my girlfriend for over five years, so since you were 18. <clears throat> I love her very much, and we've even talked about getting married. The problem is I have found myself uh, having the grass is greener syndrome. I have started to get a crush on another woman and think she would be a better person for me. How does a man discern whether or not these feelings are true or not, and how does a man avoid the feeling the grass is greener on the other side? This is a complicated question. I'm going to go on about this for a couple of minutes because I'll tell you why. I mean, nobody likes to talk about this, and and they've made it such a an issue of uh, calling us toxic and and insulting men for it that we don't get to talk about it as just a reality. Men have a very powerful sexual urge, especially young men, but all men, and a very powerful urge for variety. They want they are built. It is built into us to want many different women. Not just many women, but many different women. And we are attracted to many different women. We are not built physically for fidelity. That is not what men are built for. And I think it's just, it's just a fact about it. We have as powerful an urge for variety as women have to have babies. And for the same reason. It is the way nature makes sure that we will reproduce. And what I what I despise about this whole Me Too movement is not the fact that women should be treated with respect and treated well. Of course they should. But the fact that it doesn't take into account Men. It doesn't treat men with respect. It doesn't say to men, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, you don't have to dress up like a Muslim woman uh, to be a little bit modest in the workplace so that men are not constantly looking down the front of your dress or or at your legs. You know, that men have an experience of life, too, that men have an experience of life that needs to be respected as as well. Marriage is tough for men and it's especially tough for young men. And, and believe me, I think it, it is always tough for men to be faithful. And these things come up at a specific times very powerfully. One, when you're considering marriage, men tend to get attracted to other women because they panic and they realize they're making a commitment that is going to be a difficult commitment for them to make. And that is one of the times when you are very likely to fall for somebody else when you're thinking about marriage. Another time is when you first start becoming a success in the world and you first start making money and women become attracted to you and you think like, hey, wait a minute, you know, I got married before I realized that I could have all these babes. Instead of thinking, you know, my wife Uh, signed on when I was nobody. (laughs) You don't think that. What you think is, wow, now I can get all these babies. And that's another time it comes up. So it comes up at specific times, but it's always, always there. So what you're experiencing is not this other young lady and nothing against the other young lady you're attracted to. It's just that that is, is a function of the way men are. The question you have to answer is whether this woman you are with and have been with for five years, is the girl for you, and whether whether you're ready to make that commitment, because this is going to be a problem your whole life. It's going to be with you your whole life, okay? So you want to know, is this the woman? Not, is this other girl better? Not, is the grass greener on the other side? The grass is always greener on the other side. That's why they have that expression, right? That's not what it's about. It's about with, whether you want to be with this woman you've been with, and whether you're ready to make that commitment. And that's what you have to decide. You have to decide it. decide it. You have to go off by yourself. Maybe take a trip, you know, maybe just lock yourself away for a couple days and not think about this other girl you're attracted to. But think about the girl you're with and think about do is she the one and is she the one you want to make that commitment to. As you go forward, this is going to continue to be a problem. It's going to continue. You know, you're going to want other women. That is part of being a guy. And the thing is, the thing that I found is when I first was married, I was trying not I was trying you know to be faithful, I was trying not to cheat. But over time, what I started to realize is it's always better to take a positive act. you know. I cut down on my drinking by realizing how much I like being sober. I cut down on my eating by realizing how much I like being fit. I cut down on that kind of struggle by realizing that I liked being a faithful man. I liked being a a man who was what he appeared to be. I liked it that my wife could trust me. I liked it that my children could look at me and say, that's dad and he's exactly what he looks like. And that's how I became became, how it became easier for me to deal with these things that are part of being a man, okay? So all I'm telling you is you're going through something totally normal, but if you want to make the decision about the girl you're with, make it about her, not about this other girl. She's just a distraction. You want to know if this girl that you're with and have been with since you're 18 is the one, and if you're ready to make that commitment. All right, that was a long-winded answer, but I think it's a big issue, and I really am annoyed with the fact that nobody talks about it. And I've reached the point in life where I can talk about any damn thing because I don't care. <laughs> From Joe, Dear wise Andrew Klavan, Uh After being overweight for most of my life, I decided at the beginning of this year to go on a weight loss journey to improve my overall health, but also to boost my self-esteem, uh, especially when it comes to dating. After nine months, I, I lost 70 pounds. Good on you, buddy. Well done. That is really hard to do. Uh, I've done it, and it's it's really tough and, and good for you. Um, I've also started to notice that women who I think are way out of my league are suddenly paying attention to me. My problem is I'm not quite sure how to begin a conversation and sometimes find myself getting nervous. Uh, what would you recommend I should do or say the next time I find myself in this situation? I love your show. Thank you for the great content. Uh, well, thank you for that. Um, you know, it, it, of course, all men—we all get nervous so when we talk to a girl that we want to go out with. When we're attracted to someone, you know, you got to remember for the first thing about women that is the big secret about them—that a lot of guys don't know—is that they actually are human beings. And if you approach them first as a human being and think about them first as a human being, uh, it becomes a little easier to approach them in a romantic way. So I know that's hard to do, but it's not—it's not impossible to do. I mean, remember, this is a person. The, The greatest decision I ever made in my life, one of the greatest decisions I ever made in my life, and when I look back on it, it's so dumb, it's so dumb that I I can't believe it took me a while to come up with it, is I stopped going out with girls I didn't like. And I know guys will understand that, especially young guys will understand. I would go out with girls I was attracted to. And after a while, I thought, you know what? I'm going out with a lot of girls that I don't like. Why don't I go out with girls that I'm attracted to but also I think are nice people? So treat the girl as a person first and then... Don't give her a line. Don't put on a show. Don't show her what a great guy you are. Don't try and project yourself as James Bond or anything like that. Just ask her if she'd like to go out with you. You know, Ask her if she'd like to have dinner with you. Be very specific about what, what you want. Do, do not say... Could we get together sometime, you know, say, would you like to go out with me on Friday to dinner or would you like to go out with me this weekend for dinner or sometime for dinner? Whatever. Make sure you know what you're going to invite her to and invite her to it. But treat her as a person first. Find out if you really like her. Once you find out that you do like her, it can be easier to just ask her out and then be very specific in asking her out from. Chloe. Hi, Andrew. I'm Chloe. Huge fan. So what do you think of the protest in Hong Kong? Well, I've been talking about it. I talked about it yesterday. Uh, Obviously, I think it is a desperate fight for freedom against a slowly encroaching uh, Chinese oppressor. Uh, It's sad to me that the British had to give up uh, China, but when the British acquired the colony, uh, Hong Kong to China, but when the British acquired uh, Hong Kong, they were a, a world power. And when they surrendered Hong Kong, their lease ran out. Uh, on the land, China was the world power and Britain was a small power. So they had to turn it over. So, you know, I think that they I think it is a good thing that they're fighting. I think America and the press should keep an eye on them and keep them front and center, because at least if China crushes them, at least they will have disgraced themselves. I think China should be seen as a disgrace. I think the way they treat their people is a disgrace. I don't care how powerful they are. I don't care what their armies are. I think it was a disgrace when uh, the op-ed writer at the New York Times on Knucklehead Row said he wished we could be China for a day. There's nothing good about oppression. There's nothing good about top-down rule and, and what they do in China and the way they treat people in China is terrible and good for Hong Kong, for little Hong Kong, for standing up for themselves. I think they're very brave and I think we need to support them all the way. Obviously, look, we're not going to send our fleet in there to start a battle with them, to start a war with China over this. But we just can, all we can do is publicize them and keep them front and center and speak up for them. Uh, Which is why when Trump, you know, congratulates China on 70 years of communist oppression, he's being a dope. That, you know, that's why I was going after him about that yesterday. Uh, From Zach, my wife and I are happily married. We rarely talk politics because we stand on opposite sides of the aisle. Good for you, smart. Uh, I have no problem with our in-house disarmament. My quandary comes with her friends who all align so far left they could join an Antifa rally. Um, I have no problem wearing my politics on my shoulder. I, but I don't want my, to put my wife in a position of losing friends. Yeah, I, I know what this is about. Uh, how should I behave at a social gathering with my wife's friends? My tactic has been to bombard them with Shapiro style, uh, facts and solutions. Bad idea. Okay. Um, They usually That usually returns the conversation from politics to navel-gazing small talk. But When the topic of Trump arrives, how do I address this? I'm tired of being in the cultural cringe and I'm eager to defend him and myself against a room of people who think me morally and culturally inferior. Any advice would be helpful. Here's my advice. Uh, Don't do that. Don't pull a Shapiro on them. I mean, Shapiro does what he does from a standpoint of being on the air, talking to people who want to be listening to them. All you have to do is say politely, yeah, I'm on the other side of this question. That's all you have to do. Let them come after you. Let them come after you. Stay calm. Say, are you sure you want to talk about this? Don't necessarily start. Don't start the fight. And you don't have to finish it brutally. Say, you know, do you want to hear the other side of this? Or do you just want to yell at me? Because, you know, if you just want to yell at me, let's talk about something else. Here's the other side. And explain calmly, briefly, why you think what you think, stay cool, be on the defensive, do not be on the offensive, right? Uh, if if they ask you, if they're having a conversation with you, say, I'm on the other side of this question, and I'm happy to explain it, but I'm not going to trade insults with you. I don't want to yell at you. I respect your opinion, but you got to respect my opinion. Put them in that position, and then you can sometimes have, a, um, have a, an honest conversation. Uh, here's someone asking when the net from Chris, when the next, another kingdom is, as I said, it drops, uh, episodes one and two drop Friday for subscribers, Monday for everybody else. And do listen to it is really, it's the best one. I think it's really good. And, the uh, Knowles and everybody is doing a great job with it. Uh, from summer. Uh, hi, Andrew. I read and watch a variety of news sources, both left and right, but it's coming increasingly difficult to follow the media on the left. The liberal media and liberal politicians are wildly divisive purposefully inaccurate in their summaries and after only one and and they're only after one thing to turn the nation against the president. How can the nation move past this? Well, you know, I actually, I'm not hopeless about this at all. I think the nation is moving past it. Um, in in the sense that we now have this incredible, diverse niche media. And I think that in this incredibly diverse niche media, new people are going to rise up, new powers are going to rise up to replace The New York Times, which is now gone. It's gone as a news source. It's just an anti-Trump venue. I mean, The Wall Street Journal has become a better paper. Uh, The Wall Street Journal leans left in its news coverage, but not too far left. And it actually does deliver the news pretty solidly. And it investigates Trump, but it also investigates other uh, politicians as well. We've lost the New York Times. We need new papers like what the New York Times used to be. We need new papers that are just papers, news sites and news venues that deliver the news straight up. And, and I think that's going to grow up as there's a market for him. Remember, remember, part of this is our fault. Part of this is we only want to hear our own opinions confirmed. We don't want to hear when, you know, I, all I have to do is say Donald Trump is too rude sometimes. And people write to me, why did you have to, why don't you stand by the president? Well, come on, you know, I mean, the guy is rude and it's not good for him. It's not good for the country and it hurts his re-election chances. It's not a good thing. It's not good when he says to uh, China, you know, uh, congratulations on 70 years of murder mass murder and communism. That's not a good thing. You know, the, but, but, but I'm still, I'm an opinion guy. I'm just giving you my opinion. What we need are people who report the facts honestly, who give both sides of the story and let the public decide The you report, we report, you decide model that, that is in fact fulfilled on Fox news by Brett Baer and his team on special report. So, you know, it's bad. Right now, it's really bad. It's bad for the country. It's bad for the country when every comedian is anti-Trump. That's bad for the country. That's not, that's not doing a good thing. I know they think they're fighting for the good, but they're actually doing something bad by dividing us. If, if they will laugh at the Democrats, I will let them laugh at the Republicans and then I will laugh at both. And that brings us together. But when you're only hammering one side all the time, I can't trust you. I don't like you. I'm not going to listen to you. And so you have basically lost that audience and separated me from the people who are laughing at your jokes. So it's it's really bad what's happening. And it's really bad that the news is so corrupt. And it's bad that NBC does what it does. It's bad that NBC won't let people on who disagree with climate change. That Those are bad actions. It's not just bad news, it's bad actions and it's corrupt. But, but there is this new uh, internet world that is building things. There are new ways to build things. There are new apps that you can build. I do believe this is coming. I do believe that we will have more news sources and hopefully not just niche news sources, but news sources that can talk to everybody the way the New York Times used to, the way the Wall Street Journal still largely does. Um, One more from Susan. Hi, Andrew, love your show. In a discussion between Ben and Dennis Miller, Miller suggested that even the Democratic, that that given that the Democratic candidates are also weak, Hillary might emerge without campaigning and announce that she is running and steal the candidacy. Not going to happen. I, I don't believe that's going to happen. I mean, she may try and run again. She's just that nuts uh, at this point. Uh, but uh, Hillary Clinton is not, nobody's going to vote for Hillary Clinton. Uh, she's not going to be able to gear up a campaign. I'm still a little worried about Michelle Obama. She's the one who kind of worries me. Not that I'm sure she would win, but uh, she is, you know, her against Elizabeth Warren would be kind of an interesting choice for voters to make. She might win. She might come forward. Uh, and, and, and the people still do love, the Democrats still do love their Barack Obama. So maybe they go for Michelle. But Hillary Clinton is is past it. It's not going to happen. And she's just, she's just unpresentable. They think she's presentable. They have her on their shows and they think she's saying something. But she's just like an old lady on a bus complaining that she should have won the election and she lost it. I do not believe she's a threat. I, I really don't. Uh, that would, that would really surprise me. Prayers for Bernie Sanders. I hope he gets better soon and is about back out there making trouble for everybody. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. I'm Andrew Klavan. This is The Andrew Klavan Show. Jonathan Hay, and our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Assistant Director, Pavel Wydowski. Edited by Adam Saevitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Cormina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Alvera. Animations are by Cynthia Angulo. And our production assistant is Nick Sheehan. The Andrew Claven Show is a Daily Wire production, copyright Daily Wire 2019.
1: If you prefer
2: facts over feelings, if you aren't offended by the brutal truth If you can still laugh at the nuttiness filling our national news cycle, well, tune on in to The Ben Shapiro Show, where you'll get a whole lot of that and much more. We'll see you there.